Welcome to We The Kids. Hi, I'm Judy Frazier, president and founder of We The Kids. We The Kids puts God back into America's history. Listening to We The Kids radio show will inspire you and your kids to have a positive American identity, clear direction, and a powerful purpose for your life. Thank you for listening. Welcome to We The Kids Radio Show for kids from 8 to 108. I am Arch Hunter, a father, a husband, and an historian. And I'm Lydia Nuttall, a mom and executive board member for We The Kids and author of Forgotten American Stories, Celebrating America's Constitution. And later on in the show, we're going to hear from the We The Kids Liberty Players. The mission of We The Kids is to put God back into America's stories to help American kids be proud to be an American, to love and defend America's Constitution, and learn the principles of freedom that established unprecedented freedom in our country so that they can preserve freedom in America. And that is so important. That's why we're doing this show. So we're glad you're listening. And today's forgotten story is, how did your ancestors achieve success here in America? Because on an earlier show, Lydia talked about a couple of people who found success in America, and they were quite inspiring. So, Lydia, would you like to please quickly just mention those people, then pick up, you can tell us more of the fascinating stories. Sure, absolutely. So we learned that work is a principle of success and happiness in this land of liberty, opportunity, and hope. And Sarah Breedlove, she's also known as Madame C.J. Walker, was America's first self-made female millionaire. And she was an African-American who was the first to be freeborn in her family after the Emancipation Proclamation. And her story is amazing because if I think I have a hard life ever, I think of her because she was orphaned at age seven. She picked cotton at age 10. She was married at age 14. She was a mom at 18, a widow at age 20. <laughs> and then she worked as a washerwoman for $1.50 a day and she attended public night school. So she is such an amazing example to me of an African-American woman who did not let her obstacles hold her back and kept on persevering and worked hard to get somewhere in life, using her freedom in this country to pick herself up and keep progressing. And so what she did is she developed and promoted her specialized hair care products, and she trained other ladies to sell her products and build their own businesses. And that's how she became America's first self-made female millionaire. She kind of reminds me of an earlier version of maybe today's Mary Kay story. And then we talked about 
PFC Herbert K. Pillalau, who was the first Hawaiian or Pacific Islander to receive the Medal of Honor. He was 22 years of age. He worked serving in our military. He served in the Korean War. He sacrificed his life on behalf of all the men in his unit. They were in the Korean War. They were surrounded by enemies. They were on a hill. He said, hey, you guys, you go ahead and escape behind me, and I'm going to defend the hill, giving you time to escape while the enemy is trying to surround us. And he used his automatic weapon to defend his men, giving them time to escape. Then he used grenades, then rocks, and then he ran out of rocks. He uses trench knife. He uses bare fists. His body was found surrounded by about 40 North Korean bodies. His men were able to escape. You know, if you want to put a superhero next to him, he'd be like a Captain America. So that's kind of the recap of what we learned on an earlier show. And Lydia, you mentioned in the previous show that one of the great things about Madame Walker is she not only created a tremendous amount of wealth for herself, but she also created job opportunities so other women could have their own business and be self-sufficient, which is just a phenomenal thing. Yeah, especially back then in the day. And and so, yeah, a beautiful story. And so she developed opportunities for other women to also become successful and self-reliant. She also gave generous amounts of monetary donations to other organizations, people, etc. She was a great philanthropist trying to help others who were down or needing financial help to get started in their own life to become self-reliant. So just an amazing woman. And a great story of how when we work to become successful ourselves, then we're able to bless the lives of so many others. And that gives us meaning and purpose and depth in our lives. Happiness. I get my happiness when I'm able to do that. I have my own home cleaning business. I'm a single parent mom and started my own home cleaning business and expanded last year and started employing local young single adults who are home for the summer on a summer vacation and needing work or taking a semester off from school. Those are the kind of youth or young single adults that I employ. And they're appreciative. And I teach them how I do my business so they can then take what they're learning and wherever they go or end up, you know, when they get married or move out of state or other locations, they can duplicate what I'm teaching them and also be self-employed and hopefully employ others. It's kind of cool. And Lydia, the Korean conflict, we historians... We label that the Forgotten War because it was so long ago. We lost 38,000 Americans in a little over two years uh, fighting the Korean conflict. And actually, it was only about three months ago, officially, that the Korean conflict ended. Oh, my goodness. That (laughs) is a long-term conflict from the 50s. We had a ceasefire, and it officially ended just about three months ago. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) horrible, horrible, short, but uh, we lost a lot of people in Um, Korea. So who else would you like to talk to us about today, Lydia? Well, we've got Joseph Marion Hernandez. Uh, we also have Dr. Feng Shan Ho, John Moses Browning, and Dr. Susan LaFleche Picot. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing her name correctly, but we have those four people to share. I chose in the Forgotten American Stories six people to highlight 
who worked hard and became successful. And because of working hard and becoming successful, blessed the lives of so many people as, as well as themselves and their own families. But they're all different. They represent different nationalities. When I used to go to our Utah State Board of Education meetings, I ran into a woman who said, hey, Lydia, did you know that there are five categories of people, nationalities that we have? She said they're African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, Native Americans, Pacific Islander Americans, and Asian Americans. And I added a six. There's uh, American Americans. <laughs> we really are, you know, if we're American, we are American. We can drop the first part. But anyway, I wanted to highlight someone from each one of those groups because they are amazing people. So Joseph Marion Hernandez is born in the late 1700s. His parents came here. He's Hispanic American. His parents came here to America as indentured servants. That means we talked about this on an earlier show too, meaning they didn't have enough money to come to America. So they, in essence, borrowed money from someone else who paid their way to come to America. And then in return, they signed a contract saying they would work for that person as a servant. They called them indentured servants for usually typically is about seven years. And then they were free to do whatever they needed to progress themselves in America. So his parents were indentured servants. And here's what's interesting. Florida is where they settled. And Florida at the time was owned by Spain. So he was born in Spanish Florida in the St. Augustine area. His family wasn't among the elite. I mean, we've got rich people, middle class people, other people. He was, um, his dad was a skilled laborer and a slave owner, actually. His actual name was Jose, but he changed it later on to Joseph. He went to a Catholic school. He worked with his dad, who was a carpenter. And then later on, he studied law. So here's what's interesting. He married someone who had wealth, a woman who had wealth, and also had slaves. So he inherited from both his father and through marriage slaves. He ran a sugarcane plantation down there in Florida. He owned extensive land. So he worked to get to this point. He was the first Catholic representative. Let's see, Congress at the time was predominantly Anglo-American and Protestant. So you can imagine how he felt being elected and being the first Hispanic Catholic representative. Um, it reminds me of that Sesame Street song, one of these things don't belong with the other. I mean, <laughs> he had to have been feeling like an odd duck. But I admire him because he didn't let his differences stop him from being very effective in Congress. He helped Florida transition from Spanish rule to U.S. rule. Florida became a territory of the United States. And so during his term was the finalization of annexing Florida by the United States. And there are so many complications. I'm not even going to go there. But um, that was his mission. And that's how he served our country. And I love that story. I, I I just love that story. Great man, and um, Lydia, Lydia so. maybe maybe we could send you to Florida. Why? <laughs> so you could find the Fountain of Youth with Ponce de Leon, maybe. Oh, thank you, Art. Oh, I wouldn't mind go, going there. We don't have oceans here. Uh, we don't have beach in Utah, unless you want to go to the Great Salt Lake Beach. But this time of the year, there's a lot of gnats out there, so not too fun. But I wouldn't mind going to the ocean. Send me there for that reason, Art. Well, I think I'd, the first reason is more. Nah. <laughs> Share with us about Dr. Ho, because I don't know anything about him. 
he was, he died here in America in San Francisco. So I, in my, doing my research, I was trying to find a really good Asian American that I can highlight. So I'm not even sure I could not find, did he ever become an American citizen or not? So I have to put that asterisk, that disclaimer in there. I have him in the Forgotten American Stories as an Asian American because he lived his later part of his life in the San Francisco area and loved our country. But he risked his life. He worked really hard as a student and, and became a Chinese consul general in Vienna, Austria, if you know where that is in Europe. And it was during the time of, he was born in 1901, and he lived during the time when Hitler's Nazis occupied Austria. So Hitler wanted the Jews to be gone. He had it for the Jews but what was interesting, he wouldn't grant them visas to leave the country. And so, you know, you can imagine the Jews are kind of trapped in Austria. They are not liked. They're not welcomed. They would like to leave, but they can't get visas. And so as the Chinese consul general in Vienna, Austria, he was told, don't you dare grant visas to Jews. We forbid that. Um, but he risked his life and his career to save over, from one source I read, he saved over a thousand Jews by giving them visas on the side so they could leave Austria and escape Hitler and the Nazis from exterminating them. In another source, I read that he possibly could have saved over 10,000 lives. So that to me is an amazing story of such selflessness. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how many yeah. of us are willing to risk not only our jobs, but our lives on behalf of a religion that isn't ours, uh, a nationality that isn't ours, you know, people that are different from me, but he saw them as human beings. Oh my goodness. Isn't that a message yeah. <laughs> for and, today? And, and Lydia, if, if some of our listeners don't know the musical, The Sound of Music it's a story based in the little country of Austria. Yeah, there you go. Yes, very good. The Sound of Music, Austria. Yeah. That's a wonderful movie. It's one of my favorites. So there you go. That's the the short end of the story of Dr. Feng Shan Ho. I, I put him in the Forgotten America stories because I loved that story yeah. of selflessness. It's kind of a like a Schindler's List mm -hmm. story. It, it has that, that feel to it. Um, and I'm wondering how many more people did that that we just don't know about. He was someone different. So I wanted to make sure we know about him. And again, I don't know anything about Dr. Susan. Lachlis? I don't know how to pronounce Pico. the name. Either. I don't either, but it's P-I-C-O-T-T-E. So her story is amazing. She's a Native American. She was born in 1865, a hundred years before I was born, Arch. And she uh, was born on an Indian reservation in Nebraska, and her parents were on that reservation, and that's where she learned and grew up. Her dad, I believe, was a chief on the Indian reservation, and he was very inspired, should you, would you say, to encourage his people to try to get an education, to further their education as far as they could go. And so she was homeschooled for a while, and then she went to formal education. And long story short, she became the first Native American to earn her doctorate wow. degree. 
her medical degree and in the United States. And she later on opened up her own hospital on a reservation in Nebraska. And she attributes this desire of hers to go into the medical profession, to, to study medicine, because she witnessed, and this breaks my heart, uh, she witnessed one of her people on the reservation be refused. She, this person was refused medical treatment by the white doctor that was there and witnessed the death of her. I don't know if it's a friend, but it was someone on that on the reservation with her and her people who died as a result of not getting medical attention from this white person. And, you know, this to me, she could have become embittered by this and hated everybody, especially white people. But instead, she used that as a springboard to do something positive that not only blessed her life, because becoming a doctor, that was that was pretty neat. That's a huge accomplishment. But not only that, but opening up her own hospital on an Indian reservation in Nebraska. And she served and gave treatment herself and in this hospital, not just to Native Americans, but to anybody, even if they were white. Wow. And, what and I a story that is. And I love when you said she chose, Lydia, not to be bitter. Because yes. we all have situations in our lives that are tragic and are terrible. And we didn't really plan that. But we still can make a choice of how we are going to react to that situation. You reminded me that of all the tragedy in President Lincoln's life, Lydia, he was asked after losing his second child and having his mother pass away when he was young, he was asked, President Lincoln, how can you continue to go on with your life? And he said, I've chosen to live my life in what I have left, not what I have lost. So wow. here's another example of a woman who chose to live her life at not in bitterness, but become a positive influence. It's just an amazing story. That really is. There's something that um, you said that reminds me of a slogan. She, instead of becoming bitter, she took the I out of bitter and replaced it with an E and became better. Better. Amazing. Yeah. Better, not bitter. I love that. The one I'm familiar with, is share with our listeners, please, a story about John Moses Browning. Yay, John Moses Browning. So, okay, so we have Madame C.J. Walker, who is... African-American, Joseph Marion Hernandez, who was Spanish-American, PFC Herbert K. Pillalau, who was Pacific Islander-American, Dr. Feng Shanho was Asian-American, Dr. Susan LaFleche-Bicote, who was Native American, sorry, my brain spaced it, Native American. And now we have John Moses Browning. I didn't know what to call him, American-American. I mean, he's Caucasian. He's white. He was born here in my home state and actually in my backyard. Well, not literally backyard, here in the Ogden area of Utah. I live really close to Ogden. And what makes him famous for all of you who own guns, he worked in his father's gunsmith shop starting at age seven. And throughout his life, he earned a total of 128 patents for innovative firearm designs. He invented, uh, he just kept working and working on perfecting the firearm so that it could become less dangerous. You know, uh, we don't want misfires. We don't want uh, cartridges to get stuck, things like that. He just kept working on the mechanisms till he... <laughs> 
patented that many firearm designs, 128 of them. And he's made so many significant contributions to our civilian and military defense worldwide. It's not just our country. Yeah, he's American, but he blessed... I mean, anyone who owns a gun all anywhere in the world, his inventions, firearm inventions are what are in their guns. And 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 to those who might be listening who are anti-gun and think, you know, if we got rivet guns that would make a peaceful world, I say to you, the reason why people bully, or let's just take kids, why kids bully others is because they can. They're bigger than the little guy. They uh, have more power or something over the little guy. And if we want to prevent countries from bullying other countries or people bullying us in our homes, that is why we have our Second Amendment, that we are able to have firearms to protect ourselves and our rights. As soon as we take guns away, then you have the bullies out there that will rob us blind in our homes and invade our country. Bottom line, right? Lydia, probably the most famous gun of Joseph Browning is what we call the BAR, the uh, Browning Automatic Rifle, and it's a big, heavy machine gun. Yes. And my father was in World War II. He was in his platoon, was given the BAR to carry. And he really? picked it up. He picked it up and it was so heavy. He said to his officer, oh, sir, this is very heavy for me. So his roommate, who was a six foot three heavyweight boxer, said, I can do it. I can handle it. So um, <laughs> it's there. So unfortunately, we don't have time for the quote of the day because our time is running short. But it is OK. But we will get it in there. So we want to invite <laughs> everyone from eight to 108 to come and please join us again for We the Kids radio show for more stories about the forgotten American stories. Hear more about stories. Learn the principles of freedom so that we can all preserve our freedom and something to ponder is how has your life been blessed because of the works of others and how can other lives be blessed because of our lives being blessed so lydia so yeah if you can check out the we the kids website on we the kids.us you'll find additional stories insights and activities there that you can do with your kids to help them be proud to be american and love to defend America's constitution. And so just stay tuned because we need to see what the We The Kids Liberty Players are up to. It's time for the We The Kids Liberty Players. Did you know that from midnight on September 2nd to September 14th in the year 1752, not a single person in England or its colonies died? Really? Yes. Did you know that from midnight on September 2nd to September 14th in the year 1752, nobody in England or its colonies was born? Wow! Did you know that most people in England and the colonies slept from September 2nd to September 14th in the year 1752? Oh, come on! No way. Yes, it's true. That was the year that Parliament chose to switch from the Julian calendar that had been observed since 45 BC to the newer Gregorian calendar created by Pope Gregory. Because an error in the calculation of its leap year on the Julian calendar, the calendar lost a day every 128 years. This error in calculation put Britain and its colonies 11 days behind the rest of Europe. The new Gregorian calendar proved to be far more accurate. Whoa! 
Did you know the population of America in 1776 was approximately 2.5 million in the 13 colonies? Did you know that we fought the entire revolution during a smallpox epidemic that started during the British occupation of Boston in 1775 and lasted until 1782? Did you know that smallpox was caused by the variola virus? Did you know that the most common strains of variola virus would kill up to one-third of an infected population? Did you know that at the height of the epidemic in 1777, over 100,000 Americans died from smallpox? Did you know that historians say that about 6,800 American soldiers died on battlefields during the American Revolution, while more than 17,000 died as prisoners of war from starvation, mistreatment, and disease caused by squalor conditions? Yes, on the prison ships, they were fried raw pork with no refrigeration and sweltering heat. Doctors weren't allowed to treat illnesses. In fact, the inhabitants of the first prison ship in New York Harbor, known as the Whitby, was said to have been burned by its inhabitants, choosing burning to death over the slow death of starvation and disease being imposed on them by the British. Wow! People face hard times during the revolution. Liberty must really be important for them to have paid that price. Thomas Paine once said, What we obtain too cheaply, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods, and it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. Hey guys, have you been listening to the show? Lydia and Arch say that people came to America from all over the world to work. Why do people work? Mostly to get money. What's the big deal about money? You can't eat it. You can use money to buy food. Peanuts, get your peanuts here. Back scratcher. Imagine if everybody had to grow their own food, make their own clothes, and build their own houses. Sounds like a lot of work. Well, that's what they did in early civilization, and even in early colonial America. That's why money became so important. If I'm good at making furniture, and you're good at making clothing, and someone else is good at growing food, we can do what we do best, and trade our goods and services for the things that other people do better. So we use money to represent the value of our property. We receive it for providing goods or services. This is obviously a much more efficient system. Another word for money is capital. Capital is how we store the fruits of our labor, and the right to own what we produce is called capitalism. Here are some facts about money in the newly formed United States of America. The Revolutionary War began in 1775. The Continental Congress began issuing paper money known as Continental Currency, or Continentals. This was to pay the army and provide them with supplies. 
The continental currency was denominated in dollars, with values from one-fifth of a dollar to eighty dollars, including many odd denominations in between. By May 1781, because they printed so many, continentals had become so worthless that they ceased to circulate as money. That's what happens when you print too much money without the gold or silver to back it up. Thanks for listening to Did You Know? We want to invite everyone from 8 to 108 to listen and please join us on We The Kids radio show and to hear more forgotten stories. Learn the principles of freedom that established unprecedented freedom in America so that we can all, whether we're eight or 108, preserve our freedom.